Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call, I call, a podcast. And uh, episode 52, Who'd of Thunk It? I'm blown away. Uh, guys, I uh, want to thank each and every person uh, that has listened to an episode, that has spread the word, that has subscribed. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Uh, that has interacted on Twitter and Facebook and social media, that has asked a question for a guest, whether I was able to use it or not. Uh, next week, we're going to celebrate uh, the anniversary, uh, the first anniversary of Sydney Ringside. And I want to go back and play the my little original little spiel of what I was hoping to achieve and see if we got there. And um, and also, I'm working, working on getting a big guest. So, uh, um, Fingers crossed, toes crossed. I'm hoping to get a big guest for next week. Uh, that would uh, be really cool. But uh, 52 weeks, I'm blown away. And um, uh, please uh, keep on rocking and rolling and keep on uh, keep on giving me suggestions. That's the main thing. Uh, I want to know what you guys like, what you guys don't like, and uh, any ideas that you have, Any anybody you'd like to hear on the podcast. Uh, um, you could get me at David Penzer, all one word. Uh, at Penzer Ringside. If you don't have social media, uh, you can hit me up at David Penzer, all one word, at radioinfluence.com. And uh, just blown away that we've done this 52 times. Uh, and uh, uh, enjoy, I uh, hope you enjoy uh, what we're doing because I'm doing this uh, to try to, uh, you know, tell my friends stories and get, you know, tell some wrestling stories. That's all what it's all about, really. is is learn about some people's careers and tell some wrestling stories and uh, uh, and say uh a lot, which drives uh, Jerry P. Tuck crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, we're going to do something a little different this week. We're going to flip the script, as they say. The podcast host to the stars, uh, the host of What Happened When, the host of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, the host of... Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, the former host of Woo Nation with Ric Flair, and the organizer of StarCast in Chicago on Labor Day weekend, uh, is going to be here. He's usually the one answering, asking the questions, and uh, we're going to ask him about his life and sort of get the inside story on, on how uh, Conrad Thompson, the podcast host to the stars, uh, came to be uh, from a big-time wrestling fan who owned a, a successful mortgage company to somebody who's changed the game uh, of wrestling podcast. So we're honored to have him. And uh, without further ado, I want to bring him on and, uh, and talk about uh, his life and his, uh, his successes and uh, what's a really, really, really cool event coming up. Like I said, StarCast, limited tickets remain, but uh, it's a fan, he calls it a fantasy camp uh, for wrestling fans. Uh, it is absolutely a fantasy camp for wrestling fans. That's about the best way to explain it. And I know limited tickets remain. Uh, there's only a few general mission, I believe, tickets that remain for this thing. So uh, if uh, you don't have your tickets yet and you want to be a part of something special, um, it's also the working around the all-in show event in Chicago. So 
uh, I'm part of the event. I'm honored to be there. Uh, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody and uh, having a great time. So without further ado, uh, please welcome my guest, the one and only Conrad Thompson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, I thought we'd flip the script a little bit, so to speak. Uh, we have a man who changed the wrestling podcast game for sure. Uh, he's usually asking the questions, and uh, we thought we'd, like we said, flip the script and uh, find out a little bit about uh, him and his uh, podcast career and also a big event uh, he has coming up in a couple of months. My guest who is sitting live in Hartsfield Airport in Atlanta. I know it very well. Uh, the podcast host to the stars. Welcome, Conrad Thompson, to City Ringside. Wow, man, that's quite the intro. I hope I can live up to that. I don't know about changing the game, but uh, I'm having fun, and I appreciate you thinking enough of me to bring me on. Oh, no, no, no. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, and uh, just worked out great. Uh, great, happy to have you. And... Uh, it's amazing what they've done with Atlanta Airport, huh? Not that that has anything to do with the price of tea in China, but uh, I, I kind of lived in at Atlanta Airport for uh, for about a decade, and then I hadn't been there in a while. And I recently walked through, and it was like it's like uh, a little uh, carnival that turned into Disneyland. Well, I'll tell you this: I hate it. It is my least favorite airport in the world. Uh, I much prefer Dallas or Charlotte or in Nashville or even Little Huntsville, but. You know, unfortunately, when you live in a, as WWE would call it, a sea town like Huntsville, Alabama, you can't get a nonstop anywhere. So in order for me to make my trip to Rochester today, I've got to uh, run through Atlanta, and I'd pretty much rather be anywhere. So being able to talk to you is a fun distraction. There you go. Sonny Ono used to say the best-looking women in the U.S. walk through Atlanta Airport. So I don't I don't know. You can, you can tell me if that still holds true. But uh, Well, it's not today. I, I will tell you this, though. <laughs> Uh, Tuscaloosa is pretty roll tide in the fall. And believe it or not, if you go to an Ole Miss game, I think that might actually be Sonny Ono's new destination. He's probably just never been there. He just likes looking. But, uh, 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 but yeah, he used to say that. I, I have to tell you, the last time I walked through the Atlanta airport, I was uh, thinking the same thing. Wasn't that impressed? But uh, we digress, Conrad. Uh, you're heading over to Rochester for, I believe, a live something to wrestle with, correct? That's right, yeah. Bruce and I managed to take the show on the road this time twice this month. We're This weekend we're in Rochester, next weekend we're in Pittsburgh, and believe it or not, people will come and support live podcasting, and we're privileged to uh, be able to do that. And, I, you know, I don't like going through the Atlanta airport, but I love getting to meet some of the something to wrestle fans and uh, get a little feedback from them about what they're digging. That's awesome, and uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna see a live one at Starcast, and I can't wait. We're gonna talk about that later. Uh, also, your foray into a wrestling podcast. But first, uh, just wanted to ask you. I know you were a big wrestling fan growing up, as was I. Uh, being from Huntsville, Alabama, uh, were you more of a WCW guy than a WWE guy? WWF? Guy? No, no, man. I was a little Hulkamaniac. My first uh, foray into wrestling, as you said, was WrestleMania four. My parents rented on the double tape VHS, and that's back when a lot of families rented a lot of video cassettes over the weekend. So we made a pilgrimage to visit my grandfather, and they wanted to go to the video store, and that was going to be my babysitter for the weekend. So they rented WrestleMania 4, and, man, I was in love. I got to see the, the larger-than-life characters of Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man on The Ultimate Warrior, and I was hooked. It wasn't 
maybe a year or two later before I discovered WCW and I was still a fan, but I couldn't really appreciate all the stuff that Jim Crockett promotions had to offer and the four horsemen and all of that until I was well into my late teens. I was actually a WrestleMania four live. Really? There's a group of people that have succeeded somewhat. In the, if you call me succeeded in the wrestling business that were there. And I'm thinking the blue meanie was one of them. Uh, I want to say Lance storm, although that, that, that sounds, uh, uh, far fetched that he'd be all the way there from, uh, from Canada, Northern Canada. But, uh, there's like a group of four or five people that were there as fans, and and I am one of them. But uh, that's awesome. But yeah, I was at five too. But so okay, so you're a um, a huge wrestling fan. Uh, you have a, a very successful mortgage business in Huntsville, and um, and how does that lead you to uh, the wrestling podcast world? Man, total accident. You know, I started advertising my mortgage company on the radio back in 2008, pretty hot and heavy. And eventually, I went from recorded commercials to live call-ins with morning show personalities. And eventually, I had an opportunity to meet Ric Flair. Uh, I met him at a bad time in his life. He had recently lost his son, and he was looking for a drinking buddy. And it's not popular to say, but as a wrestling fan, if Ric Flair calls and says, hey, you want to go drinking on a random Tuesday? You go. And one thing leads to another, and we became pretty good buds, and he had an opportunity to do a podcast with uh, CBS, their platform at the time was called play.it. And he didn't really know what a podcast was. He'd certainly never heard one. And I was able to tell him, no, man, I think this will be good. It could plug so many of your appearances, blah, blah, blah. Well, eventually he and his agent signed the deal. And then he asked me to come in on the very first episode and just ask fan questions and get him comfortable. Cause he knew that obviously I was a big wrestling fan and I knew enough about how to move a show along and sort of keep him on track. And not put him in a bad light. So I sat in for the very first episode of Woo Nation. And at the end of the episode, CBS dug it. And he dug it. They asked me to come back. And I was off to the races. I became an accidental podcaster. There you go. Uh, how did you How did you and Rick get close? Because uh, I've, been, I've been a drinking buddy with Rick. It's a lot of fun. Although at that, that time of his life, maybe not. Um, but uh, how did you get to gain his trust? Well, I first met Rick through an appearance, uh, you know, a long time ago. I, I say a long time ago, more than five years ago, there was a, an ECW documentary being put together by John Filipovich. He ran a Kickstarter campaign, and the name of the program was Bar Bar City. And if you contributed at a certain level, he would bring an ECW alumni to your house and screen the movie before it actually was released. I thought that was awesome. So I got together, I don't know, 10 of my buddies or so. And Shane Douglas came to my house and watched the new documentary. Oh, we just thought it was awesome being able to sort of pick his brain and, you know, eat a steak and have some beers. It was a good time. Well, I'll, I'll around that same time, I had reached out to Dave Milliken and ordered my very first championship belt. I had stumbled upon an opportunity to buy a Ric Flair robe. And I thought, what am I going to do with this thing now that I have it? It's cool, but what am I going to do with it? Well, I found that Dave made replica belts, like not the mass-produced $300 jobs, but a real, just like they had belt. And so I thought, oh, this is the money. I'll get like a mannequin or something and figure out a way to put the belt on it and the robe. And it was a silly idea, but that was how I became friends with Dave Milliken. Well, Dave was really close with Mark James, who was writing a book with Jim Cornette. So eventually they're like, oh, yeah, this guy had Shane Douglas to his house. And Cornette thought, that sounded kind of fun. So one thing leads to another, I got Cornette over. And when you meet Cornette, you meet everybody in the wrestling business. He knows everybody. So through him, I was able to get hooked up with J.J. Dillon and Lex Luger and Jake the Snake. And eventually, 
uh, Ric Flair, about literally everybody in between. And once I met Rick, I met everybody in the wrestling business. And he was looking for a drinking buddy, and I was uh, ready, willing, and able to cruise over to Atlanta and knock back a few on a random Tuesday. There you go. If uh, you could do it, why not? Uh, yeah. So uh, it's funny, Shane Douglas, who's not a uh, was never a big Ric Flair guy, led you to uh, become friends and uh, podcast uh, host of Ric Flair. Kind of a you know. What's really weird is without you know somebody listing a Ric Flair robe on eBay, I don't know that any of this would have ever happened because without you know me getting the robe, I don't know that I would have paid more attention to wrestling and seen the Kickstarter or bought the belt or been introduced to Cornette. I mean, you just follow that all the way down the rabbit hole and it spidered out all through my life because I actually met uh, my fiance through Ric Flair. It's his oldest daughter Megan, and um, he said, "Oh, you should." You should meet Conrad. And she had seen me several times and we had talked several times, but never in a situation where it was like that. It was always just, I'm her dad's friend. And ta-da, it worked out. She's part of the family now. And I've got podcasts with other people not named Rick Flair and a show on the network, all because of, it's a weird story, man, to say the least. Well, you know, life's all about, you know, uh, uh, strange twists and turns and, uh, and that's why I wanted to have you on because your story is really interesting. It went from a uh, from a, a wrestling fan who uh, is actually uh, one of the biggest contributors to the business right now. Uh, wow! Tell me about tell me about uh, uh, that podcast with Rick. Uh, were, were you nervous at all, or you had been comfortable with him, so uh, so didn't really have any nerves flowing, or you had enough booze in you that uh, didn't matter? Now, you know, we only did one liquid episode. Uh, we had planned to do J.J. Dillon, uh, and J.J.'s plan was, uh, or J.J.'s plane was delayed. So we wound up being delayed a few hours while we were waiting on him to land. So eventually it became apparent he's not. So about three hours after we've been just waiting around, Rick says, oh, let's get a drink. So we do, and then we start just reaching out to people. Hey, what if we could get this guy? What if we could get that guy? Because we needed to push out an episode. Anybody who's created content, you start to feel that pressure. The first handful of episodes are easy, <laughs> but then you're a year in and you're like, oh, who can I get now? And so eventually we land Kevin Sullivan, but by that point we were probably 10 drinks in. So it was it was a, an interesting episode. But no, I wasn't nervous doing anything with Rick. We weren't doing anything live. And you know, at that point we had been hanging out pretty consistently for over a year. So it wasn't really anything that was necessarily new. I mean, like once or twice a week for a year. So there was no, there was no, no worry. I guess the only thing that was challenging with that, and and everybody who's listened to those shows knows what I'm talking about, is at times it was like herding cats. You know, Rick is very much a uh, um, short captain, short attention span. Especially back then when he was still drinking, it was okay. What else? What else? What else? And uh, it was really hard to just get him to sit down and all right, take a deep breath. We're gonna do this for like an hour. And that was, that's not him at the time. It is now, you know, he's, he's a totally different guy now. Yeah, actually that was the first podcast I ever heard. Somebody said, you got to listen because Kevin Sullivan and, uh, and, 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 and Blair, I think Kevin actually might've said something to me that Blair and, uh, uh, his, his, uh, guests, his, his co-hosts were hammered interviewing yep. him. So Somebody said you got. I think it was Kevin that said you got to listen to it. So it's the first podcast I ever I ever listened to uh, was uh, was that episode. And uh, yeah, it was entertaining. There's something to that. I might have might have to do a liquid episode. Maybe we could do that at Starcast. But uh, I don't think it's a bad plan. Every now and again, I don't think it's 
it's fun consistently. You know, no, I probably no. would get old, but every now and again, it's pretty fun. I mean, there's a whole television show on Comedy Central, you know, Drunk History or something like that. So, yeah, there, there's a niche for it for sure. The other thing is, uh, is, is I feel your pain when it comes to uh, uh, having that pressure to get somebody each and every week. Uh, some, some, some weeks it's easy, and uh, some weeks it's, uh, it could go down to the wire, you know. But uh, Yeah, so, some weeks you get stuck with the mortgage guy from Alabama. So <laughs> my apologies to the listener because no. nobody big was able to take his call. <laughs> That's not true. You're the, I swear to God, you're the first person I called. I called my producer, and I said, I said, uh, because uh, we usually tape on Thursdays, and I said I'm gonna be on Palm Island on Thursday. Uh, my my friends uh, rented a, a house, and they they invited us to stay uh, at no cost, so I'm doing it. And uh, I said, but the weekend might be hard because you know a lot of the guys travel. And I said I always wanted to have Pot Conrad on, you know, because he's an interesting story. And uh, my producer Jerry said uh, 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 he's actually my boss, but. Uh, he wears a lot of different hats, said, uh, you know, go for it. So he said he thought it would be great. So uh, you're the first person I reached out to, I swear. So, um, but it, but it is uh, it is tough sometimes. Uh, so what happened with the Ric Flair podcast? He just, he just, it just wasn't digging the whole concept? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is sort of a peek behind the curtain, but anybody who's done podcasting, learns very early on that it's going to be a slow road to what we would call monetization. And so a lot of times the big agencies, they want to see proof of performance, you know, in television, they would say, Hey, what are your ratings? Well, in podcasting, they want to know what are your downloads? So it's one thing to say, you've got a Ric Flair podcast and that's worth X amount of dollars just because people want the name association. But realistically people want to see how many downloads you're doing before the big money starts to roll in. And unfortunately by the time, and we had more sponsors than anybody else on MLW. But by the time the real money started to roll in, he had already sort of soured on the experience because it did feel like he was leveraging friendships and relationships and inconveniencing those friends and then taking time out of his day to drive downtown to the studio. Because unlike you and I, Rick didn't just have you know, a rig set up somewhere. Rick wasn't Mr. Technology. He was going to... Uh, Give me an address and I'll go in the studio and do my thing and, and, and come out. So it just became a process. You know, he lived probably 40 minutes from the studio and then you've got to leverage a friendship to get him on the horn and you got to hope that somebody can sell the ads for you. And, you know, he just didn't at the time think it was the best use of his time. I think he could probably be talked into it again. Now his lifestyle is a little different now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're done with Flair, and you're thinking, what are you thinking? Uh, I don't want to put thoughts in your head. Are you thinking, uh, how do I, you know, I really like this. How do I, you know, take it to the next level? Or you thinking, uh, that was fun, you know, I'm going to go back to, to just selling uh, mortgages? Or, or what was that like? Well, yeah, the uh, I started working with Bruce. I actually met Bruce through Rick, and I was doing uh, a lot of video marketing, and I was doing a lot of that online. And... I met Bruce through Rick, and of course, Bruce was a television producer for WWE for decades. So when I met him, you know, one day he said, so what do you do? So we talked about it, and then I sort of explained the way my sales cycle works for a mortgage business, because it is different from a traditional mortgage company. And the takeaway was, hey, I think I could use you to handle some of my shoots. So we started doing a little bit of business together that way, and after a long day of shooting... 
we're just there's that moment of silence that everybody has where the conversation just stops. And I turned to him and said, "Hey, man, what happened when the radicals jumped from WCW to the WWF?" And he turned and told me a story, and I had follow-up questions, and it was probably an hour-long conversation. At the end of it, I said, "This is a podcast." And he said, oh, you can't make any money in podcasting and hassle. You got to get guests every week. I'm like, no, no, no. What you just did, what we just did, if that was recorded, every wrestling fan I know would want to hear that. And over the next two weeks, I talked him into it. And we actually started doing uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Our first episode aired on August 3rd, 2016. And that was still during the, uh, the first run of the Ric Flair show. So he had not yet tapped out of the Ric Flair show. And uh, we were doing both at the same time. I got you. Yeah, that was really, that was the, probably the perfect person to, to start that concept with because uh, here you got somebody who was uh, executive in WWF slash WWE for, what, 30 years almost? 25 yeah, years? Yeah, 21, 22 so years, something like that. He's there watching it all go on, you know, 20-something years of history behind the scenes you know, was sitting next to Vince McMahon or in the same room with Pat Patterson. And, and uh, when I heard about that before I started my podcast and I had listened to the episode about the last Nitro, because, of course, I wanted to hear from, uh, from, from their perspective what I had uh, uh, lived through, which uh, was, sounded a lot more fun for him than it was for me, by the way. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I listened to that, and it was just amazing how much detail he got into, how much he remembered. And... Uh, uh, when did you know that uh, uh, it sounds like you knew from the very beginning, but when did you know that it was a, that this, that this was uh, gold before we taped the first episode, just from our conversations, yeah, it sounds I, mean, like it. I knew that he had the ability to do caricatures, not really impressions, but over the top, silly, fun voices. And he knew how to tell a story. His timing was great. His confidence was a little shot at the time. He's not lacked the confidence here in 2018, that's for sure. Right. But at the time, you know, he thought, I'm done with wrestling. That's in my rearview mirror. And now, you know, he's really excited to be involved again. So it took, you could go back and listen to those early episodes, and he wasn't nearly as engaged or, or necessarily bought in, we should say. But once he was, man, it was. It caught fire in a hurry, uh, and it got way bigger than we ever imagined. I mean, I knew it would be great content, but I, I didn't think he was, at the time, I was really convinced that you needed a name in podcasting. Because around that same time, guys like Shaquille O'Neal was starting a podcast, and you had lots of big names coming to podcasting. And I thought, well, you know, people are going to listen to the Ric Flair show because they want to hear Ric Flair. But nobody even really knows how to spell Bruce Pritchard's name. Everybody was putting a T in it, and we, we couldn't call it the Brother Love Show or he didn't want to, whatever the case may be. Right. And even if they did, it was such a niche thing. That, I mean, Brother right. Love, who wants to hear that? And most people didn't really know what his role was behind the scenes. But once they heard the content, I realized, you know, this will keep people. I don't know how many people will find it, but the people who do will be hardcore fans. And little did I know, it would catch on and everybody would listen. Yeah, it doesn't hurt when you're one of the better storytellers in the wrestling business like Bruce, Bruce is. And, and it also doesn't hurt when you could do the impressions of the people you're talking about. I always wanted to, I always wish that I could do, I can't even do a, a Dusty Rhodes impersonation and everybody and their brother does a Dusty Rhodes impersonation. Uh, just something that I wasn't blessed to do.
Want to welcome our new sponsor to the City Ringside family, Ting Mobile, the best mobile you've never heard of because Ting does mobile phone services differently. There are no startup fees, no contracts, no plans. You only pay for what you use. It is perfect if you spend most of your time around Wi-Fi because why pay for data you don't use? The average Ting bill is just $23 per phone per month. Ah, I wish this would have been around when my kids were teenagers. I would have saved a ton of money. Nationwide LTE coverage means you'll have great network coverage from coast to coast. Almost any phone will work with Ting from that ancient Motorola Razor sitting in your desk drawer to the latest Galaxy S9 or iPhone 10. Reliable customer service. You talk to an actual human being when calling. No machines. How refreshing. And you get $25 off your bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop at ringside.ting.com. That's ringside.ting.com. You got Bruce on board, and you're rocking and rolling. Uh, when did it, uh, you know, you're also uh, running a full-time company. Uh, when did it occur to you that we have to do more of these? We got to get more, uh, we got to get Tony Schiavone on board. Well, I just felt like a, an opportunity to tell the WCW side of things, and I really wanted to do it with Bischoff, but Bischoff sort of had his heart set on doing something different at the time, and... I really thought that Tony Schiavone was probably the right guy anyway because Tony Schiavone had not had his story told. You know, Bischoff had written books. He had done shoot interviews. You know, he had he had, had his story out there on DVD and a variety of ways. But Tony Schiavone seemingly put wrestling down and never looked back. He did a couple of XWF tapings. He did one TNA show. But outside of that, he was really done for a long, long time. And when I looked at how long he was with Crockett and WCW – and how long Bruce was with Vince McMahon, the number of years were almost identical. So I thought, this could be the guy. He's not overexposed, and he was there a really long time. He's probably got a unique perspective of not just WCW, but Jim Crockett Promotions, and he was a fan. But maybe best of all, he's a real broadcaster. He's been working in radio for a long time, so a lot of the technical stuff he's going to have a really good grasp of and just how to carry a show, whereas some guys – are used to doing a three-minute promo, not necessarily talking for an hour or two or three. But then I was really sold when I saw Tony at the NWA Legends Fan Fest. We had Tony as a guest on one of the Ric Flair podcasts, and he let some stories go there. But in person, when he was on his own doing his own thing for Greg Price at the NWA Legends Fan Fest in Charlotte a few years ago, he stole the show. He was the talk of the convention. And that's when I realized this is the guy. So I put together a business plan. And sent him a really long email uh, just laying out exactly what my idea was and, most importantly, how we would make money doing it. And it was probably eight paragraphs, and he replied with two words, I'm in. Really? It was that easy? It was that easy. I didn't know it, but behind the scenes, his producer on one of the radio shows he worked on had been telling him, man, you got to listen to this something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. You should do a podcast with his co-host about WCW. This guy has all the crazy notes. And you know all that stuff, and everybody's talking about this WWF podcast. You should do a WCW wouldn't with him. So his producer, whose name I don't even remember, who I never even really met, uh, he was the person sort of behind the scenes saying, you should do this, you should do this, before I ever even pitched Tony. So when I pitched Tony, Tony was trying to figure out how to pay for his daughter's wedding, and he had just been sort of had it, had it drilled in his head, you should do this, you should do this. So the email just came, right place, right time, here we are. That's amazing. You know, I find doing this that, and this is why, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing uh, this is because uh, I would have bet a million dollars, and I'm glad I don't have a million dollars to bet, that 
that you would have had to work on Tony for weeks, if not months, to try to get convince him to do that. Because when you said he was out, I mean, he was out. He turned down $3,000, $4,000, uh, Well, I, people would contact me to contact him to say, you know, I want to do a shoot interview with Tony Schiavone, you know, like a Feinstein, you know. We'll give him $4,000 if we'll do it. And he would say, David, not that I can't use the money. I'm uh, I'm done with the wrestling business. I don't want to talk about it. I have no interest in thinking about it. And uh, he was really done. So I, I'm i shocked that, you know, and that's why it's fun to talk about stuff like this and see how it happened. But um, Well, if he didn't have that wedding, I don't know that he would have said yes either. But right. I think because he had the wedding and because, you know, somebody he trusted said, hey, this would be a good idea. And maybe the fact that he had done the one show with me, with Ric Flair, he just felt a little differently. I'm yeah. glad he did. I'm glad he did, too. It's funny. A couple of weeks after you guys started, he uh, we had a conversation. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, do you remember, like, the third or fourth or middle of the card matches for NWO sold out in Des Moines, Iowa? And I said, I got no clue, Tony. Why? He goes, because I'm doing this podcast, and I'm just wondering if it's me that, you know, that I can't remember you know, like, you know, the details of this stuff. He goes, I remember the overview, uh, you know, of, of, of how we got there and, and the main matches, but I don't remember, you know, some of it. And I said, I, I remember it was really cold, and I remember I didn't have to ring announce, which was always refreshing because I, you know, did every show because it was an uh, NWO show. And uh, He goes, good. I just wanted to make sure it just wasn't me losing my mind. And uh, uh, I don't know if he ever told you that. He talked to me about that, but... Uh, but he, 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 he remembers a lot more than I do if you listen to your podcast. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, you can check it out. We've uh, we just started to do a lot of different stuff on that show, too. He's the first podcast I've taken to Patreon. And so now we're letting a lot of our listeners come on and introduce a new topic. We've covered some pretty fun stuff so far. We covered King of the Ring 2001, which obviously happened in another company once he was completely out of the business. But it was the phenomenal street fight match with Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle. Uh, so we talked about that one, and I'm sure somebody soon is going to suggest some WWF shows from his time there. So you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty affordable to get going. So if you're into it and you want some unique content, like maybe Tony calling ECW, that's the place to do it. That sounds cool. Absolutely. Check it out. Uh, how did the WWE Network deal come along? And... Uh... How thrown were you by that? Well, you know, we had an idea. They were looking to do something because they sent that survey out towards the end of last year that said, what type of content would you like to see on the network? And one of the topics was uh, alternate commentary for shows and pay-per-views. And another one was podcasting. And I thought, you know, that might be something they're kicking around. And around that same time, I decided just in case, let's switch Tony's format to be a watch-along format. So we started doing exclusively watch-alongs on the network, and Dave Meltzer would publish what the top 10 most-watched things were. And it was pretty common to see something that Tony and I had done silly commentary over to be in the top 10 randomly. I mean, just out of nowhere. Like last August, for some reason, what do you know, Halloween Havoc 1998's on the top 10? That's ridiculous. Like, why would that happen? It's not the 20-year anniversary. It's not even the anniversary month. It's not Halloween. Why would that be there? It's there because Tony and I were covering it. And so I was doing that in a way to say, hey, take a look. We're getting traction. <laughs> and we started referencing a lot of the shows that were available on the network on something to wrestle as well. So when they did call and say, hey, hypothetically, would you guys be interested? It wasn't necessarily a shock, 
But the reason I thought we had a better shot at landing it instead of, say, some other podcasts is because we didn't have guests. Again, you got to think about the logistics from a production end here. If you've got a different guest every week, you've got to have a camera crew go to someone else's house every week, or you've got to hope that their schedule works and they can fly in. Whereas with Bruce and I, you set up one stationary camera at his house, one stationary camera at my house, we're good to go. You know, you don't have any other scheduling efforts. You can produce it rather consistently. And it's going to be, quote unquote, on brand. Because Bruce is only going to talk about stories that happen in the WWE. We won't venture off into other content that they don't own. So it was a natural progression. Um, uh, the conversation was, was pretty fast, actually. Uh, it got really heated up after Bruce made his return on Monday Night Raw as Brother Love. I think a lot of people were surprised when he won the online fan poll as to who fans were looking forward to seeing the most on Raw. It wasn't Stone Cold. It wasn't Undertaker. It was Brother Freaking Love. <laughs> and he got a big reaction that night. So after that, it went from, hey, we might do this, to here's a real offer, guys. And we were able to announce it in time for WrestleMania and to say that Bruce and I were tickled to be there is an understatement. You know, a lot of people were adamant the show was going to change, but we had it, you know, negotiated in our contract. We have creative control. We can talk about what we want to talk about and they've let us do that. That's awesome. Uh, since it's on topic, I had a, as you know, I asked uh, some fans on Twitter if they had any questions. Uh, my old buddy, Dan Lutzka, who always uh, is good for a good question. Wanted to know, since we're talking about it, if it was offered to you, would you take a full-time gig with WWE? No, I would not. And I wouldn't just because I've worked 17 years in my mortgage business. I've got a lot of people whose livelihood depends on me. And if I make a decision like that, not only do I sort of throw away what I've done for 17 years, but I jeopardize the livelihood of hundreds of people's income and insurance. And No, just not for me. Which brings up... Uh, uh, Arguably the hottest uh, new podcast uh, in the industry right now, which is 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. How did you finally rope Eric in? Uh, and tell me a little bit about that, because uh, uh, I don't really have time to listen to a lot of podcasts. I barely have time to listen to mine, you know, just to, to you know, go over it. But, uh, but I try to, as much as I can to listen to those podcasts because, uh, you know, A, a lot of the stuff that went on, I was, you know, there, even though I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in Eric's head or in those meetings, I was there. So it answers a lot of questions for me, but also the banter between you guys, uh, you know, not a lot, not a lot of people are willing to go on a public forum and, 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 and go, uh, and, you know, really take on Eric Bischoff, which you've done. Uh, so tell me about how that came about and how much fun you're having with it or how little fun you're having with it. I don't know. No, I'm having I'm having a ton of fun. I, I think it's probably the sleeper of uh, all the podcasts right now. Obviously, it's got a lot of people talking, but I do think it has the ability to be one of the biggest podcasts around. You know, I think it'll be up there with something to wrestle in no time. We were really, really pleased with the download so far, and you know, our episode with uh, Chris Jericho, where we covered Jericho, has already topped three hundred thousand downloads, and it wow. did it in short order. You know, our debut episode did one hundred and fifty thousand in the first seven days, and and they've just all continued to get bigger and bigger. And, and the word of mouth is spreading because now Eric finally has somebody to sort of push back and challenge him a little bit. He did a podcast before, but it was a different format where he was talking about some current events, not just professional wrestling, but news. And I wanted nothing to do with politics. I wanted nothing to do with the current product. I just want to examine the old stuff. So it's 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff and he wanted to do something for a while. And we were just waiting on the right time and opportunity and, 
it seemed like Tony was going to hang it up. You know, he had had some uh, things come to light that he really wasn't really hoping to address with his full-time employers where we do some silly nonsense on our shows. And we thought, you know, now that the wedding's paid for, maybe the risk isn't worth the reward. We'll just pack it in and wrap up what happened with him. But then Tony changed his mind. So now I'm, I'm on three podcasts, which was never the plan. The plan was when Tony's done, I'll just tag in Eric and we'll keep the WCW stuff alive. But now, you know, we've got two. We've got a show where we get to hold Eric Bischoff accountable for some of the decisions he made. And then a show where we get to be a little more lighthearted about WCW with Tony Schiavone. So what drives him more crazy? Is it when you refer to the a Death of WCW book by Brian Alvarez and R.D. Reynolds? Or is it when you uh, refer to uh, Meltzer uh, uh, reading back his old newsletters? It's got to be Meltzer. I mean, it's got to be because you're talking about one book or 52 issues a year for 10 years. So, yeah, it's got to be Meltzer. I always thought he was on pretty good terms. Uh, you know, me and Eric aren't really friends. He was my boss. Uh, and, you know, we'll have a drink if we're in the same bar, you know, and, uh, and you know, talk how's your family. But uh, uh, we're not really buddy-buddy. Uh, but, uh, I always thought that he was sort of, he didn't dislike Meltzer. I don't, I don't know if that's something that's changed over the years or, or maybe I just got it wrong. Uh, are you intimidated by him at all? He could be an intimidating guy. Uh, as, as somebody who worked for him can tell you, uh, intimidated at all at first or you just went all in? No, you know, I know that's, that sounds pretty cocky, but you know, he's not my boss. What, what is there to be intimidated by? He's going to trash me on Twitter? Well, okay. What else? Like, realistically, he can't hurt my feelings. I'm a grown-ass man, and he can't affect my livelihood. So, uh, worst-case scenario, he gets really fired up about me, goes off on me on social media. That's good for business. So, no, I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. You know, it's not, there's no threat of physical violence when we're talking on Skype. I mean, what's he going to do? Karate kick me through the phone? You know, he's a nice guy. Uh, he's a businessman. He understands what we're doing. Uh, but he, and he is going to defend his viewpoints. And I think that is, you know, what makes the show so entertaining is there is less gaga than, say, the Bruce Pritchard show where we're breaking out into funny impressions and I'm setting up funny bits. You know, with Bischoff, it can be a real spirited debate. He thinks <laughs> I, don't know any, I don't know anything because I wasn't in the business. And I would point to, well, you don't know anything because you got ran out of the business. Not once, but twice. Three times a lady. So, you know, that's the format of the show. Somebody who's actually going to push back and challenge his bullshit. I will tell you, it is as somebody who's been around the business for 20 plus years and who's always been a big fan, it is captivating. And uh, uh, I've actually, I've actually uh, not watched uh, some of the things on TV I like to watch instead I've uh, been listening to that podcast at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night when I'm usually watching my shows because it's that good. So if you guys, if you're the one person who hasn't heard 83 weeks but uh, but listens to City Ringside, uh, I urge you to, to listen to it. It is uh, entertaining. Uh, how are there enough hours in a day, in a week, for you to do three podcasts, do the... Uh, uh, and, and, and your your other business, uh, which is your main source of income, plus uh, now, uh, and we're going to get to StarCast in a second. Uh, how, do, how, do you, how, how do you do that? Do you just not sleep anymore? I tape all three. Uh, I shouldn't say all three. I tape the WWE TV show Sunday mornings, first thing, 8.30 a.m. I tape uh, Eric Bischoff at noon on Sundays. 
and I tape Tony Schiavone sometime that afternoon or late evening on Sunday. So I do three of the four all on Sunday. And then Thursday night, usually around eight or nine, is when I tape something to wrestle. So I don't have any sort of overlap with my regular full-time gig at all. And then, you know, Monday night, I work on StarCast. Tuesday night, I work on StarCast. Wednesday night, I work on StarCast. Friday night, I work on StarCast. Saturday, I work on StarCast. So, uh, you know, I, I can still do my regular Monday through Friday, uh, 8 to 7 or 9 to 6 or whatever it may be. And um, still have time for podcasts. I just have to do it in my off time. You still do? You, are you still going back and doing all this research yourself uh, with the Meltzer uh, uh, quotes and the book quotes? Or you have a? I'm assuming you have a staff now of people. Yeah, I do have some help now. What I'll do is uh, I've got one guy who will help go fetch stuff, as I like to say. I'll say, <laughs> "Hey, I, I, I need these episodes. I need these issues. Any mention of this topic, this topic, or this topic between these months." And I need quotes from this book about this and quotes from that book about this. And he'll compile it all into one, what we would call rough draft, uh, the first run. And it'll come in two or three days before we do the episode, sometimes the day before, uh, if we're really pushed. And then I'll reformat it. So it'll go from, you know, 120 copy-paste notes from all over everywhere. And then I will craft what the story would be. And whittle that down depending on the show. For a WWE Network show, it's going to be about 13 pages. For Tony Schiavone, you know, I can usually get away with eight or ten. For Eric Bischoff, you know, sometimes it'll be, you know, 40, 50 pages. And there's been some marathon episodes with Bruce where it was still in excess of 80. But by and large, if I'm, you know, 24 to 30 pages, I can, I can make that a really, really good show. I write my topics down on the back of envelopes that I don't use, so I'm sort of embarrassed now. Uh, let's, I know your time is limited because you're about to get on a plane to go to Rochester. Uh, StarCast, how, how did that happen? Whose idea was it? Obviously, it was your idea, but uh, uh, how did it all come together? StarCast was uh, an idea born out of Greg Price not doing the NWA Legends Fan Fest. I, I had a great time going to that for years and years. Saw my wrestling friends from all over the world there one weekend a year. It was something we all look forward to. And when he announced he wasn't going to do it, I thought, man, I should try to book that same hotel that same weekend and do a wrestling podcast convention. At the time, Flair had a podcast. I thought he could be my top draw. We could slide in Bruce and Jim Ross and uh, Tony Schiavone was coming out with one and we could slide in Eric Bischoff. We could even get Kevin Sullivan and MSL. I thought this could be a fun thing. Well, the hotel was booked. It didn't work out. So I decided to just sort of shelve the idea. I'm coming back from vacation in January in Atlanta, and I run into Cody at the International uh, Baggage Claim. Uh, we start exchanging DMs, and then I said, hey, got an idea. And I pitched him on the idea of let's not just make All In a one-off show. Let's make it a real event. Let's make it a weekend. Let's make it a destination, much like WrestleMania is. So since you don't really have an access, let's keep our WrestleCon or – some other sort of convention out of there that may run wrestling matches that could take away from your in-ring wrestling product. He was intrigued. I had no idea what I was pitching. So he asked me to sort of put together a format. So I did, emailed it over to him, and he hit me back a couple of days later and said, hey, we love it. We're in. What do we need to do? So at that point, I had a willing partner, but we hadn't disclosed the city, and he didn't really know me all that well where he was really comfortable revealing it. But I sort of put two and two together and figured out that it was going to be in the suburbs of Chicago. 
So I reached out to a guy who would help Bruce and I book a lot of our travel for our hotels whenever we do live shows like we're doing here in Rochester. And said, hey, can you help me find a hotel partner for this? And his name's Scott, and he's out of Florida. And one by one, we whittled it down to it's going to be this place or that place. And we negotiated a good deal. And as soon as it was official that All In was in Chicago, we booked the Hyatt Regency in Schaumburg, Illinois, and put tickets on sale the day after All In. And we had ourselves a pretty fun weekend lined up. And StarCast.com is where you can get all the details and all the goings on right now. Who picked the guest? Was that totally you? Do you have like a committee? Because uh, it's interesting. You got some real interesting people. That Jim Johnson from WWE did all the music. Uh, David McLean, the founder of Glow and, and Wow, and had some real interesting guests. Uh, who picked those? That would be me. You know, I, I tried go. to put together uh, a format of shows. I wanted to do two, multiple stages, not just one stage, and have two shows going at all times. So there'd be something for everybody. So we can have some Bullet Club guys, but we can have some old school stuff too. So we've got something for everybody. I mean, we've got a Dave Meltzer, uh, Brian Alvarez, Bruce Mitchell, Wade Keller. They've never done anything together. Never before have the Observer and the Torch done something like this. But we've got them together, and we've got you know Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Sean Waltman for an NWO reunion. We've got WrestleCrap being featured. We've got a roast of Bruce Pritchard with guests we can't announce, and you can probably guess why. We've got the weigh-ins for All In. We've got Macaulay Culkin doing a stage show with Stephen Amell from Arrow. I mean, just some crazy stuff all the way to karaoke and the Insane Clown Posse and on and on and on. But one of the things I'm most proud of coming into this is the Jim Johnston thing. You know, he's never done anything like this. He is the wizard of Oz of our childhood for a lot of us. And he's never done a public appearance like this and never done anything without WWE. And he's going to be there with some of his instruments and we're going to explain the creative process behind creating some of these themes we all grew up on. And who better to help guide that than Sean Mooney? And I think that's going to be the diamond sleeper event of the entire weekend. If I'm not, if, if you don't have me working, I want to be there. I want to, uh, uh, I've, I've sort of checkmarked that off to see if I can block off some time. Cause uh, I saw that and I'd like marked out huge. Um, a couple, a couple more questions. Uh, I know that you have Flair, Rick Flair's robe is going to be there and an opportunity to pose with the robe and the belt. Uh, how come, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how come Rick isn't there? Or maybe you still have more announcements to make? I'm glad you asked. But first, let me say this. You're not just posing with the robe. You're going to get to put the robe on and hold the big gold belt, and it'll be against the old TBS set. Or it'll I, look like it is. I'm sorry I left that out. We recreated the TBS set. At a substantial cost for us to get the graphics done to make it look identical. But now we've got it done, and he's going to put on that robe and have that belt and cut your promo. And I can't imagine that there's another opportunity like that around the corner ever because this is the real big gold belt, not a replica, not a copy, the actual one and the actual robe. So, yeah, it's like fantasy camp for wrestling fans. But, no, to answer your question about Rick, he was certainly in the original plan. I mean, I, I assumed we would be able to sort of celebrate the Chi-Town Rumble match because we've got the Chi-Town Rumble robe secured. We've got the tights. We've got the boots. We've got the big old belt. And we could certainly get Tommy Young. And in a perfect world, we would have been able to get JR and, of course, Ricky Steamboat himself. But as it would turn out, one of the only appearances, not one of the only, the biggest appearance that Rick had to cancel last year during his health scare was an appearance at Dragon Con in Atlanta. Uh, and I didn't realize that when I picked these dates, well, certainly I didn't pick these dates. They were picked by Cody and the Young Bucks for All In. 
that is the exact same weekend as Dragon Con. So since he canceled last year because of the health scare, he was contractually obligated to appear there. So if there's a StarCast 2, we'd like to find a way to get the Nature Boy involved. Absolutely. If, if, you, could have, if you could pick one dream guest uh, that for whatever reason, other than Rick, for whatever reason can't, uh, can't be there or, or, or doesn't want to be there, who would, your, who would your dream guest be? If there was no, no stipulations, no price tag associated, who, who would you love to add to that convention? Well, you got to have, I mean, it's got to be, to me, it's got to be Steve Austin and Chris Jericho. I mean, those are the two superstars from professional wrestling who are, you know, hosting larger than life podcasts too. So if you're going to do a wrestling podcast convention, you've got to have Steve Austin or Jericho. And it didn't work out this time, but maybe it will if we get an opportunity to do it again. Yeah, it's great stuff. The, the, the eat and greet idea, I think, is, uh, is, 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 is tremendous. And, uh, just uh, for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about uh, those opportunities. Well, yeah. So the concept is we're going to do 12 fans at a private dinner with someone even like Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash doesn't do this, but he's, he's agreed to do it for us. You know, it's going to be a private room at the hotel on property, and you'll have a private dinner with Kevin Nash, and you get to have a real conversation. Much more than just your standard meet and greet. Stand in line for an hour, take a picture, get an autograph. Don't get me wrong. We've got that, too. But this is a much more all-inclusive experience. You get to sit at the same table and pick his brain and ask questions. And it's relatively affordable. You know, we've got some of those for $99 that includes your food. We've got others for $129. I mean, where else can you get that where you're going to pay for, obviously, and you know, this Penzer, hotel food is not cheap. So <laughs> that's figured into it, too, plus your tax, plus your tip, plus all that. You got one fee, $99 or $129, and you're in there with some of the all-time greats. And I think some of the sleepers are guys like Kevin Sullivan or Dutch Mantel, some of the great minds of professional wrestling. We've even got one available now that I can't believe isn't sold out. The first one sold out immediately, but we pushed the second one out. There's a handful of spots left to chop it up with Terry Funk. I saw that. And man, that's unbelievable to me. And I, I, I hope that's one of those things that we create that everybody starts to copy. I, I imagine we'll see more eat and greets coming at conventions near you. Well, we have a small little fan fest that I do down here twice a year uh, called Championship Wrestling from Florida Fan Fest. And we would do a dinner with the main. We have one coming up in November with Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe where we, well, you could have like a dinner with those guys. But it's 50 people, and so it's not as intimate uh, as, as your deal is, you know. In a perfect world, I'd love to do 12 people, but, uh, but uh, it just doesn't work out financially for us because, you know, the whole reason they're coming is, for the dinner and the convention and not just sure. for a whole weekend. But, uh, but I, I was, uh, enamored by, by, by that opportunity. Uh, by the way, for anybody who's on the fence about Kevin Nash, actually all of the ones that you have are, are going to be entertaining as heck. Uh, but Kevin Nash is maybe one of the funniest guys in the, in the, in the business, uh, off the microphone. So if you get an opportunity to sit down and, and, uh, listen to him, tell stories, pick his brain for 90 minutes. Uh, that is, uh, Forget about the food. It's worth the money just to be able to have the entertainment. Hey, uh, so you're looking maybe for this to be a yearly event. Well, you know, I, I'm in business with Cody Rhodes. And if Cody Rhodes does an all-in, too, there's going to be a StarCast, too. And if this is it and all-in is, is one and done, StarCast may as well. But this idea was really given life because of Cody Rhodes and his belief and my ability to put this together. So for whatever reason... Uh, he uh, he thought enough of me to make him the the part to make me the partner on this, and I'm going to run with it. You know, it is 
I guess I should clarify that because some people are going to take that as a mixed message. This is my event, but make no mistake, I'm piggybacking all in. And I want to continue to do that. You know, I want to be a part of that movement. I don't want this to be something for SummerSlam. You know, I don't want this to be something that competes with WrestleCon or WrestleMania. I want to do I want to do what Cody's doing. I want to piggyback that. So if there's an all-in too, I would look for a StarCast too. Well, I just want to say this, and I'm not I'm I'm honestly not kissing your ass. I've told you this uh, in uh, in PMs and and texts, uh, and I'm honored to be a part of this event as well. But and I'm not, and all that said, I'm not saying that for that reason. I at, at, from the very start of your announcement of this event, I continue on a daily basis to be floored with the fantasy camp type events that you're putting together. Uh, you know, like I told you, I think in one of our messages, it's like you know a wrestling fan putting together what they'd want to see and what they'd want to do if they could, you know, you know, if, if you know they they had the opportunity to do it. And it's 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 awesome, and I commend you. Last question, then I'm going to let you get on your plane and hop over to Rochester. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 100, with 100 being definite and 1 being absolutely no effing way, uh, what are the chances of us getting a Dave Meltzer one-on-one with Eric Bischoff event at StarCast? Zero. Not going to happen, huh? No. You know, Meltzer doesn't do clown shows. Uh, he wants to be taken as a serious journalist. He's not interested in entertaining. He wants to just report the fact. Acts and that's what the observer's for, and he'll leave the entertainment to us. And I think it's better because of that. I don't know. I'd like. I think there's a lot of people who'd like to see a, a discussion between those two, but uh, uh, I understand the situation. All right, guys. Uh, God, there's so much to promote. Uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Uh, 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 Eighty-three weeks with Eric Bischoff, uh, and. Um, what happened when with uh, Tony Schiavone and uh, what else? Oh, StarCast. So uh, you don't have enough StarCast.com, man. That's what it's all about. It's S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T. Last question from the Mad Fan on Twitter. What has your, been your favorite topic on any of your podcasts that you've done? Man, that's hard to say. I had so much fun recording the Sunny episode. That's the one that comes to my mind right now. If you were to ask me tonight, I might say something different. So I think the Sunny episode is a bit of a sleeper. Go out of your way to listen to that one in the Something to Wrestle archives at somethingtowrestle.com. And, hey, I'd love to have your interaction on Twitter. Throw me a follow. I'm very active on there. Love to talk a little wrestling. Hey, hey, it's Conrad on Twitter. I'm going to listen to the Sunny episode tonight, definitely. I have not heard it. Conrad, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, I appreciate you coming here to tell your story and looking forward to working with you uh, in Chicago in a couple of months. Thanks, man. Looking forward to it. I want to thank Conrad uh, Thompson for coming on. Uh, I know being in an airport is not the uh, best uh, of recording situations, but we wanted to get him on this week, and he was uh, nice enough and gracious enough to uh, to make it happen. And uh, you can tell he's really a nice guy. Uh, probably wouldn't probably <laughs> to say this, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. Probably wouldn't have made it in this business 25 years ago. Uh, Kind of couldn't be that nice, but uh, a heart of gold. And um, really looking forward to uh, not only listening to the Sunny podcast tonight uh, of uh, Something to Wrestle, uh, but uh, I got a little bit more intel after we hung up uh, with with, uh, with Conrad from uh, Jerry Petuck here, uh, my uh, boss and 
executive producer, and uh, he's heard the episode. So uh, if you haven't heard it, be sure to take a listen to it. Uh, I'm going to do that. So tonight, uh, I'm going to pour myself a vodka and Sprite, and I'm going to listen to the sunny episode. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it next week on our anniversary edition of Sydney Ringside. Hey, um, also, uh, if you're going to be at StarCast and you haven't gotten a ticket to see uh, the Jim Johnson event, uh, I, I, God, I hope I get to be able to go see that. I don't know what my schedule looks like, uh, but um, they're still putting that together. But uh, I didn't realize he was bringing a bunch of instruments and he's going to, like, you know, play snippets of, like, the, the entrance themes that were our all of our uh, childhood. So uh, that's a first-time-only event and uh, super cool. and. Those eat and greets are still available. So many great wrestling legends to uh, to have a meal with and being able to ask questions. And with only 12 people sitting around a table, you get lots of opportunities. So go to StarCast.com. Uh, great event. Looking forward to being there. And so thankful for Conrad that he took time out of his busy weekend and was able to be on episode 52. That still blows my mind of sitting ringside with David Penzer. As I said, uh, next week is going to be our anniversary episode. We're working on a very, very special guest. And if we're able to confirm that, I will announce it via Twitter. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. We'll have somebody here. uh, And uh, we'll celebrate one year of Sydney Ringside. Again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for uh, your support. in all the ways that you support it. And do not be shy to hit me up on Twitter at David Penzer at Penzer Ringside. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you may not like. Let me, let me if I ramble too much, uh, I could cut that out, I guess. Uh, let me know who you'd like to have on as a guest. Uh, it, it will help us uh, uh, pick people. And uh, again, we'll always try as best we can to, uh, we have enough notice to get fan questions on Twitter that we could ask the guests like we did today to conrad so on the 52nd episode of city ringside as i always say i'll still be here city ringside next week my name is david penzer thank you so much we'll see you next time follow david penzer on twitter at david penzer also make sure to follow the show on twitter at penzer ringside you've been sitting ringside with david penzer on radio influence This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. Fourth of July, I'm never leaving my house. Somebody at Bush Gardens got shot from a celebratory gunfire. You're just going to shoot gun up in the air? What does that accomplish exactly? And we're talking about a, a bullet that can travel two to five miles. So there's been so many situations where people have got shot miles and miles from where somebody shot a gun. Why would you go out on 4th of July? I'm not doing it. If somebody could shoot me five miles away, why would you even, why would you leave the house? And there's so many situations of people getting blown up now. There's legal fireworks, illegal fireworks. It's all dumb. I don't know if other countries are as dumb as us. I really don't. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.